Hey everybody, Bob Olson here with Afterlife TV. You can find us at afterlifetv.com. This is where we search for evidence of life after death and ask the meaningful questions around that subject. Today we're going to be talking about leaving your body. Boy, uh, this is a fascinating subject actually. Um, it's something that any one of us can do if we really want to and try and, and have a little persistence. But uh, what is that experience like? And what does it mean? What can we learn from it? Uh, our expert today has, whew, he's been um, having out-of-body experiences uh, purposely for over 40 years. First one in 1972. He's an expert. He has uh, written a couple books that we're going to talk about here uh, specifically about this, and his name is William Buhlman. Uh, welcome, William, to Afterlife TV. Oh, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, so, just so you know, there are people, and we love these people. You know, they're new to this, uh, haven't even heard of an out of body experience, uh, other than uh, uh, also known as an OBE. Uh, why don't you just tell people who don't know what's an out of body experience? Well, an out-of-body experience is essentially the separation of consciousness from the body. And it can be spontaneous during sleep or it can be uh, self-initiated. And uh, these experiences have been recorded since the beginning of uh, history. So there's uh, nothing new about them. They're just becoming rediscovered in the modern age more and more. You... Um I know you, you had one, and we're going to talk about it. What were, your, what were your beliefs and your mindset before you had your experience? Where were you uh, about all this kind of stuff? Well, uh, that's a good question. I did not believe – I was young at the time. This is over 40 years ago, and I was, uh, I was in college. And a friend of mine had a spontaneous out-of-body experience, and it changed him – changed his perception of reality. And I wanted to – I was an agnostic or an atheist, essentially, yeah. and I didn't believe in any afterlife. I didn't believe in a non-physical reality. I thought this physical world is it. And he said to me that this experience proved to him that he continued. And that was, that was just incredibly exciting to me. So I found that there were techniques that were available to self-initiate an out-of-body experience. I studied a book on it, and I decided to take, make a 30-day commitment to do the technique. Even though I wasn't a believer, I had no knowledge of metaphysics, uh, nothing. But I decided, what the heck, if he can have this experience, why can't I? So I did this technique, which today I call the target technique. And on the 24th day, it took a lot of perseverance. It yeah. took 24 days of daily practice of this technique. And on the 24th day, I was laying in a single bed against the wall, and I awoken, and I felt different. And when I reached out my hand, my hand actually entered the wall. And that's when it hit me. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I was so excited. It's, it's real. Yeah. It's real. And I thought of standing, and the next thing I knew, I was standing by my body, totally logically thinking, totally aware, making decisions not a dream. And I moved around a little bit. It was a brief experience, but it was enough to prove to me beyond a shadow of a doubt that this is real. We have the ability to leave our physical body and explore this parallel energy reality. And I also began to realize that there's other beings, of course, that live there that have died. And this was, a, it just changed everything, my entire perception of reality. 
everything changed. Suddenly, I, it's like you're reborn almost into a new reality. And you have a million, I had a million questions that needed to be answered. And it's just an exciting thing to realize and to get this personal verification. Yeah. You know, it reminds me of my first first reading with a medium because I went very skeptical, thought, oh, what the hell? You know, it ended up being this three-hour reading that all kinds of evidence came through. Take that to the nth degree, you know, a hundred times. If I had had an experience like this, it would have just completely blown my mind. I can't even imagine. I was enthusiastic about the the reading. <laughs> that must have just been amazing. I have to ask because I, you know, the next day after my reading, I was I called a couple of people up and and you know was telling them about it. Um, how about you? Did you feel like you wanted to do that? Oh yes, and I did, and I quickly found out that people um, are pretty close minded, <laughs> especially forty years ago. It was like, you know, people were like, you did what? Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, or, you know, it's like uh, people, if, if it doesn't jive with their personal experience, they question it. And it was, uh, it was, a, it brought me down to earth real quick because I realized that you really couldn't share these type of experiences with everyone because some people just found it, you know, just so far away from reality for them that they, they wouldn't even want to listen to it. To totally yeah it's, I, and it's an unfortunate oh it, it is unfortunate a wake-up call for me too i called a couple i called my mother and i called a, a good buddy of mine told them both and uh, the best i could get out of them was uh well i believe that you believe it you know <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was like, okay all right <laughs> now i'm getting how this works but i was just telling them about this reading again if I, they would have thought i was hallucinating or something if i told them your experience so this is really cool now i'm also very impressed with the the tenacity, the, the persistence that is required to do this night after night for 24 nights before you finally have an experience. I, I don't even know where this comes from. I mean, I'll, I'll, you, th you think calling, you think, you know, this is definitely what you came here to do. I, but who knows? But it's just amazing that you were able to do it. So you must have felt pretty good that it finally happened. And, and now I, ma I imagine you're excited to do another one. Well, I, I, I've had many experiences over the last 40 years. Um, I found once you had one, I became hooked. I don't know what else to say. I, I knew I could do it, and then I wanted to learn more. It's about obtaining knowledge. Yeah. This is yeah. about obtaining the true knowledge, not some book theories. I mean, you're, you become an explorer of consciousness, and that's what I try to teach people today Become and explore. Don't don't accept belief systems. Find out. We have the capacity. You know what's strange to me is that in the Western world, it's like ninety eight percent of the entire population believes in an afterlife, or I forget the exact percentage. Yeah. But a vast majority believe that the, that we continue, and that we are non physical or spiritual beings. If we're non physical beings, why do we have to wait until we die? To experience what we are yeah it's silly we are non-physical slash spiritual beings then that's what we are we should be able to experience our true self whenever we choose it, you know and you and i were talking a little bit before uh the show here about 
so many people right now, I mean, it's almost a fad. People are so interested in near-death experiences. And yeah. part of the near-death experience, not for everybody, but for many people, is the out-of-body experience. They immediately leave their body. They, they see their body sitting there and uh, et cetera, et cetera. Well, here is uh, a way for all of us to share, to have that experience and and yet it, it, I've been a little bit fascinated how um, there is less interest in this subject matter than there is in NDEs. Uh, I don't know what that's about. Do you? No, no. I find it's very strange. Number one, all near-death experiences, 100%, the first major element is an OBE. <laughs> so number one, it's a central element of the experience. Number two... OBEs are far more prevalent. We don't even know how many. Yeah. But there's many times, 20, 30 times more prevalent. There are natural phenomena occurring worldwide that are people having these OBEs. They're re reproducible. So Thank you can you. Be, that is what's important about an OBE. Nobody wants to reproduce an NDE. No. <laughs> that's Nobody. right. But OBEs are reproducible, and that's where the knowledge is gained, that we can use it almost like a scientific study. If you have repeated experiences, you can begin, and this is what my goal was, to obtain knowledge, observable, objectable knowledge of this non-physical reality that we call spirit. I think all these terms are obsolete. It's a non-physical reality. We are non-physical beings beginning to experience our true home and environment. We're not physical, we're, we, and we're only here for a short period of time, and everybody should be able to see that. Yeah. So OBEs is a natural path to us obtaining knowledge of ourselves. That's right. And, 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 and you know, we talked uh, about the fact that, like you said, they're spontaneous. And near-death experiences are spontaneous. A lot of times they happen once, maybe twice, or, you know, a few times in a lifetime to somebody. Uh, this is something that we can induce, we can make happen. Um, and, and in your case, you know, whatever, 40 years of experiences, um, I think I heard you say in an interview once, you know, over a thousand experiences, probably uh, a lot more. And not only do you get to, you're not shocked by it, like people who are in NDEs, yeah. but you, um, you now keep trying it different ways and testing different things. That's what I loved about reading your book was to, to see um, how you sort of systematically, I'm going to try this. Oh, wow, that worked. I'm going to do that again. And you keep trying different things and learning about it every single time you have a new one. That really makes this subject matter exciting. It, well, it's very exciting because everyone can do this. This is a natural state. This is not unusual. This is, this is something recorded in the Bible, in the Quran. It's, it's every religious tradition talks about this. They just have different terminologies, like I was in the spirit or you know, things. But what did that mean? Right. This is a, that is what's important here. This is, this is an exploration of consciousness and non-physical reality that where we can obtain the answers. And that's why it's so critically important, especially today where people are clinging to beliefs. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. All right. So let's back up a little bit to your first experience. And anytime, if you want to interject, 
you know, okay, that was my first experience, but today this is a little bit different or something like that, or, you know, interject other experiences is fine. But this was interesting. I'd love to pick it apart a little bit. Um, so your first experience, uh, I have a little quote here. As I drifted off to sleep, I dreamt that I was sitting at a round table with several people. They all seemed to be asking me questions related to my self-development and state of consciousness. Who were these people and what was this all about? Any idea now that in hindsight? Yes, because it's a projection. When we leave our physical bodies, we're entering into a thought-responsive dimensional reality. This is what we know now. We know it for a fact. There, people sometimes forget when we die and when we leave our body, there is no air. You don't have a biological body anymore. There's no gravity. The laws of physics are all different. What happens is we end up having, we have experiences of projections of different aspects of ourselves. Yep. There's, there's not one type of experience. That's one thing I like to get across. There's millions of kinds of experiences, and it all depends on your own state of consciousness. Mm. And you will be communicating with yourself through various means. Some people call it a projection. But whatever it may be, we have to start to look at the laws of the universe differently because the non-physical laws of reality are far different than the laws of physical physics. Yeah. And that is what's important here. So everything, we have to begin to learn how to function in this thought-responsive, non-physical reality and begin to communicate in different ways than we used to in the past. And we communicate with ourselves also in different ways. So there's different perceptions based, again, on your, let's just call it your perception and your level of, let's just say, development in the non-physical state. Yeah. You... Um uh, you might know, I know she's starting to teach at the Monroe Institute where you've been teaching for years, uh, Natalie Sudman. She had a, a very unique uh, near-death experience, and she was talking in sim very similar. Uh, as soon as she left her body, she found herself uh, on this stage in front of um, thousands of beings, spiritual beings, light beings. Um, they were all wearing robes, which is kind of interesting. You guys have some similar uh, s similarities to your stories. Uh, in this case, you drifted off to sleep and you're at this round table with several people. I asked her, um, she had to think about it uh, before she gave me the answer, but I said, you know, do you think you were already there on that stage downloading? She said she was downloading information about her lifetime yeah. to these to these beings. Do you already do you think you were already there and you just became aware of it after this bomb went off? And and she said, yes, I do. And, uh, same yeah. thing with you. You think you're already at this table, but you just became aware of it? Yes, because we're multidimensional beings. That's one thing. We have learned from tens of thousands of out-of-body experiences is that we are multidimensional beings. This, this childish concept of body, mind, spirit is obsolete. <laughs> yeah. We're far more complex than that, than this, this childhood story. We are multidimensional. We have many energy bodies, and the physical world is a thin epidermis, outer layer of the universe. Our body is a vehicle of consciousness that we're using for a temporary period of time. When you have an out-of-body experience or near-death experience, you're shifting your, 
conscious awareness inwardly to a less dense, more subtle energy body. Yes, these realities already are there. We are already there, but we are not aware of them because we're totally focused on this biological vehicle. Yeah, yeah. But once, same applies to meditation. Yeah. As you meditate, many meditators, there's books on this where they will leave their body, but they, they use different terms. Right. But it's the same. They're shifting their conscious awareness inwardly within a more subtle energy body within themselves. And there's many different energy bodies, and we already exist there. That's what's so exciting about this. We're multidimensional. All of life is multidimensional. And we, but we only see less than 1% of reality. <laughs> and yet we, we think this is it. Well, I mean, people have a hard enough time understanding the mind, body, spirit still to this day. So, yeah. so this is this is uh, great, mind blowing stuff. You used. Uh, I saw an interview where you did. Uh, you talked about uh, the analogy of using an apple and the skin on the apple. Do yeah. you remember that one? I, I thought yeah. that was perfect. Well, that's it's pretty accurate. That's how the the physical reality, and we know this is not a theory. This is based on tens of thousands of out of body experiences from every country on the planet. When you leave your body, you move inward. You're moving, you're shifting awareness to a less dense part of the universe. It's another dimensional. And you move through a membrane. That's There's a divisional point, yeah. which I call a membrane. But the physical world is it's as thin as the skin of an apple. And, and, and then we move inward rather we, than outward. We always think there's we're going no out. out. That's why the term out of body is unfortunately, it's become a the popular term, but yeah. it's actually not a very accurate term. No, right. Yeah. yeah we have a but, lot of those. We have, we have a yeah, lot of those in this field. Do, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> um, past lives, I you know I hear from yeah. you know past lives, you know it's other lives, not past lives, all yeah. these kinds of things. But all right, so the the next thing you you wrote was that you began to feel dizzy, and a strange numbness numbness like Novocaine began to spread throughout your body, upon which you passed out <laughs> and hit your head on a table. Um, was this was this the vibrational state that you're talking about? Or yes. It is. Okay, tell us it, about that. Yes, the vibrational state is what we call it today. It's the common prelude to an out-of-body experience. It involves vibrations, numbness, sounds, loud buzzing in the ears are very common, per temporary paralysis of the body, very common, because you have to begin to dis connect from the physical to have this non-physical experience. That's why the physical body's paralyzed. But people freak out about these things. There's a lot of loud noises. There's a lot of strange phenomena that's occurring. And this is what scares people. They're not knowledgeable. Our society has not trained people in how to prepare for these events. So they're considered alien or strange events. And then fear grows and then you block. Yeah. But once you realize this is all natural and you begin, to, like I use the term Novocaine, I also talk about it sounds like I'm in a jet engine. Mm. The vibrations are incredibly loud sometimes. Yeah. And every person this experience is different. But this in all of this phenomena is generally called the vibrational state because there's almost always like an electrical like vibration of some sort moving through what feels like your body, but it's not. It's your non-physical body 
you're beginning to transfer your full conscious awareness to your non-physical body that already exists. And this process can be startling to the neophyte. Yeah. And yeah. this is what I've been trying to get across for 40 years to people, not to be afraid of something so natural. Yeah, yeah, and if they can get, if they cannot be afraid of that, they can they cannot block the rest of the experience yeah. and, and allow it to keep going. Um, I you know I've experienced this. I bet you a lot of people have. Probably a lot of people have done it with meditation. I've never been very good at that, but I've had guided uh, guided imagery, gr- guided meditation, uh, body work, and like uh, regressions, um, past life regressions, uh, life between lives regressions. But one of the things that always happens to me is my hands, my fingers and hands start to go numb. And so if I can experience, if I can imagine this at all, I imagine it's somewhat what I feel in my hands and fingers, but throughout the whole body, which, which when you talk about the paralysis, there's a scary word right there, but, but, um, but aside from that, I imagine this is a necessary part of the process. Uh, why is that? And maybe a good part because your body's not going to be moving around. You're not going to fall out of bed. Uh, any idea why that happens just because you're leaving and it's almost like, I think it's a safety mechanism that's built in, in us so that we don't, um, let's face it. You have to, at some point disconnect. Yeah. Otherwise you would be out of control at both levels of reality. Yeah. And I think it's it's our natural it's part of the natural body um, instinct to go through the process. Now, I like to emphasize not everybody has all this mm-hmm. and it varies from person to person. In my books, I go into great detail because 70, 75 percent of people do have the vibrational state. Yeah. And by the way, children have it especially. Oh, cool. And it freaks out parents. <laughs> yes, it does. And they don't know what to do about it. And they end up. You wouldn't believe the amount of letters I've gotten where children are on drugs because they're having they're having these states. Oh wow! Because the doctors, of course, are only going to look at it from a biological viewpoint. Yeah. My point is that this is a common and normal phenomena that's occurring, and that some people it occurs more to. No one knows why, yeah. but we have to become educated about these subjects and not just reach some ridiculous conclusion based on uh some external belief system yeah we have to deal we that's the key here we have to become knowledgeable in order to become in other words this is this is part of our evolutionary cycle i feel yeah we're evolving inwardly we're evolving to be non-physical creative spiritual beings and this is part of the process of this evolution and unless we become educated, we will never, we'll always be stagnant yeah. as a society and a culture. Yeah, that's right. And 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 there's so many other benefits uh, to it. I mean, you said one of the first benefits you gained from it was just simply uh, you no longer fear death. Uh, that's that's huge. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, death is, uh, absolute. there's no fear of death. Yeah. As you know, you have the verification you're going to continue. There's a, and that is important, but that's just the beginning of the knowledge that's available. That's what's truly exciting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, all right, uh, going back to it. Uh, well, first, I just want to say I actually uh, it, it reduces my fear to think that there's this built-in component of the vibrational state to 
to keep my body from doing something stupid while I'm out <laughs> traveling around. So, so there's a good thing there. Um, are there any uh, sounds or smells or tastes that accompany the OB? Is it different for every person, like like all the other spiritual experiences? Yes, it's different for every person, um, even by by different cultures. Um, but what is universal is some of the things I shared. There's generally some type of vibration. There's a, often there's a paralysis. There's a, often a floating sensation. Parts of your legs or arms will begin to float up. That's common. Or yeah. sinking. In some cultures, it's more of a sinking sensation. In shamanic cultures, they would sink down to Mother Earth, Earth or Pachamama. Uh, where in Western cultures, it would be more of a lifting uh, there's, but it's it's a separation that is beginning to occur. Seeing through closed eyelids, by the way, is very common. You're laying in bed, your eyes are closed, but you can see your environment. What does that mean? Yeah, you're you're seeing through your non physical vision, <laughs> and people don't even get it. <laughs> they, they're laying there. They're all that. You know what that means? You're already out of body. Yeah, yeah. You just have to activate the separation response. Right. And that's what people don't know what to do or yeah. they don't know what it means to them. That's why it's so important to get this knowledge out there that this is not only universal, but it's natural. Yeah. It's it's 100% natural because we're non-physical beings. I uh, la so for, when I prepare for these interviews, I prepare for the, the two days prior, and so I'm just focused on this for two days, you know. Uh, and uh, so last night, uh, just before bed, uh, finishing something up on my laptop, I stand up to go put my laptop on my bureau, and uh, and all of a sudden, I I don't know what was going, on. and it probably had nothing to do with this, but I felt like. Uh, I felt like I was numb and I felt like I was, when I was moving, it was like moving through water. Everything was like really, really hard to get my legs to move. And I thought, oh crap, I rushed back to bed, you know, I'm going to have one of these, you know, <laughs> and I'm yes. telling myself out of body now, out of body. And I'm trying to focus using your target technique. I just fell off to sleep, <laughs> but I was excited that there was a possibility for it. It can happen to some people, right? It, it can happen to anybody that's willing to take the time. You know, this is no different than meditation. Yeah. Nobody becomes a Buddha for practicing for a week. Right. And unfortunately, this is what happens. It's the same kind of process. I consider this a lifetime program. Yeah. To me, my out-of-body meditations are the same as what any any meditator would do. I just have a different intention and goal. Hmm. But my process is the same as any meditator. You still the mind. You go, you deep breathe. I count myself down. It's the same kind of thing that meditators doing worldwide. The only difference that what I do and teach is that I have a real focused intention on the end result. But it's the same process, and it takes perseverance. It takes daily training because you're we're, we're reprogramming our mind to have a new conscious ability. Yeah, just yeah. like meditation, though. Well, you know, your your early experiences uh, described uh, were you know you would you would fall asleep and then you'd wake up and you'd get get up and go in the on the couch and do a little reading so you're sleepy again before you started to to try, you know, to make this happen. And uh, do you still do that or is that, uh, you don't need to do that anymore? 
No, I still do it. Oh, I no. use the same thing I did 40 years ago. <laughs> I found that uh, doing these techniques in your bed is the least effective place to do that. Oh, why is that? Because we're programmed to, to oh, sleep, sleep soundly. We're like the old saying, you know, sleep like a log. We, those days are gone. I don't want to sleep like a log. Oh. I want to become consciously aware while my body sleeps. Right. It's a 180 degree difference. And that's why I found move. I, I use my sofa yeah. as my exploration area. And I have a designated exploration area. I leave the bed. I go to the sofa. I have everything ready there. I keep the house is warm. I'm prepared. And I focus on my intention. And that is what works. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm going to mention a couple of things. One, I'm going to mention, I'm going to start with this book. Um, Adventures Beyond the Body, How to Experience Out-of-Body Travel. This is your first book, is it not? Yes. Yeah, the, your first book. Um, was this it? I, when, 1996, I think it came out, right? Yes, I wrote it in 94, and it was finally published in 96. Yeah, that's right. That's how it works. It took a while. This, this is, <laughs> this is why books on tech... ended up buying it, which yeah. I was surprised. Oh, well, there you go. And I'm so glad that they did, because... Um, uh, and look, it's still being sold. It's still out there. It's, you know, it's, it's bound to, if it's not already, it's a classic. I know lots of people have read it. You, you go on, you read the reviews. People are loving this book. Um, it was how I was first attracted to you a long time ago and, and knew that I'd be interviewing you one day, just reading the reviews about how this book has changed people's lives. You also, though, you've taken it much, uh, further and you now at the Monroe Institute, you teach, uh, almost a week-long workshop. How's this? What's this about? Yes, I, I teach a, a six-day-long, very intensive program, and, and it's called Out-of-Body Intensive at the Monroe Institute. It's residential. Which, the Monroe Institute, by the way, is the premier place in the world for the exploration of consciousness, as I'm sure you know. Many yeah. people go there. It's all about the exploration of consciousness. Only 24 people at a time can attend, and everybody's in their own check unit. So I, I actually, they are laying down in their check units and I'm speaking to them and doing live techniques with hemi-sync, brain synchronization music, and I do meditations and I'm speaking to them into their unit through headphones. That's so, so neat. It is. It's very, it's a very advanced, it's the, the place to explore consciousness and it, uh, and it works for many, many people. Yeah. And it, it's, but it's exciting because this is, there's, I teach no belief systems. I teach no religiousness associated with this. We approach it from a scientific viewpoint and an experiential viewpoint. This is what we have experienced. There's no, there's, there's no extraneous bull added. Yeah. And that, that is so common today. And I think it's very important to separate that. It's all based on the individual's experience mm. and having your own experience. And that's what's powerful. But it's it's an exciting program. It's I, it's always sold out, of course, because it's only so few people can go. Yeah. But Monroe Institute, if I can put in a word here, Dude. it is so many great programs at Monroe. I'm just one of the teachers there. There's, there's great programs there for the exploration of consciousness, yeah. cutting edge programs, whether it be past lives, 
future lives or the, just the flat out exploration of the big question. What am I? Where did I, where did I come from? Where am I going? What's my purpose? Yeah. These are the questions we want to answer at the Monroe Institute. Yeah. And that's why it's worth go to Monroe institute.com and check it out for yourself. Yeah. It's, it's just a great, great institute. Um, I like the, the idea everybody's in their own little dormitory room and, and, and they get to listen. Um, I, I do my, like I said, my best through guided visualization kind of a thing. Um, and, and it sounds like similar. I, you probably, everybody that does this kind of work usually hates this question, but I, I, I got to ask it anyways, cause my audience is wondering. So what, percentage roughly i'm sure it changes every class uh of people actually have an experience during those six days it it really varies um uh I, it's difficult to say exactly the percentage because not everybody shares right their personal experience. oh oh yeah okay uh, this is a very personal experience to begin with a matter of fact um a lot of people they come up to me and say i had i've never told anybody this but this happened i hear this all the time yeah People can't share this with their even with their family sometimes yeah, yeah. because they're looked at like they're losing their mind. <laughs> That's right. Um, I, I couldn't give you a percentage, yeah. but the opportunity is there. We do. I do 24 different distinct hour long techniques. Oh, wow. That's so a lot. People have every opportunity. And at night I wake everybody up and we do a technique even in the middle of the night. Oh my goodness. Because that is often the best time to do it. I see. And, and the, the greatest state. And the greatest thing about it is that like you, I mean, it took you 24, you know, 24 tries to finally get it, but they, they're now prepared. They know how to do it and they can go home and they know exactly what they need yeah. to do. A lot of this is, of course, one of my goals is to train them on all the aspects of this. So they're comfortable with the process. Yeah. And that's very important because the average person is clueless. Yeah. They're clueless. They, they These words like spirit, and God mean nothing in the preparation of of us moving towards the afterlife. Yeah, these old terms are not preparation. They're not helping anyone really, yeah. providing hope, but they're not preparing somebody for a non-physical, thought-responsive universe that we enter when we all die. Yeah, the time has come for us to mature the conversation and for us to become educated. Because there's no doubt we're all headed to a non-physical environment. Yeah. Call it spiritual, give it any label you want. But wouldn't it be nice to know what's going on instead of just hoping that things work out? Totally. Uh, yep. I mean, that those days are gone. We live in an age where we have tens of thousands of OBEs have given us a lot of insight into this subject matter. Yep. But we each individual has to take the effort to learn. Yeah. And and take off the hood right and let's let's get out of the dark ages and let's learn the facts of what's going on and then have your own experience don't don't believe anybody i and i want to share this briefly yeah i don't want anybody to believe me this yeah. is not about belief i don't want you to believe me i challenge you to find out for yourself you do go. the techniques yourself i didn't believe it do the techniques yourself do it for 30 days and then you determine what's real. Right. Nobody's trying to sway you or slant your opinion. I could care less. 
if this is about personal experience, because that's where knowledge is gained, not from a book. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Well, uh, yeah, I, I, I totally agree. Uh, I just did, you know, whatever, 60 interviews or something uh, to promote my book. And I started off almost every one of them by saying the exact thing you just said, <laughs> which is, which is great, but it also takes people so they can relax a little. Go, okay. He's not trying to push anything down my throat. He's just yeah. sharing it with me what is possible. Uh, so let's talk a little bit more about this and encourage people to have this experience. Uh, go back to the first one, but you don't have to f- just focus on that one. But uh, so you, you get through the vibrational state, and one of the first things you recognize is the wall in front of you. Tell us a little bit about that. You reach out for the wall, right? You can feel it? Well, I yes, I've reached out my hand, my which, of course, it feels. Let me share this real briefly. The non-physical out-of-body experience is not some airy-fairy Tinkerbell type of thing, and many people seem to have this concept out there that's so prevalent that you're going to float up, and you're going to be like a little angel. None of that is, none of that, it's bull. It's very physical-like experience. Yeah. You're entering a non-physical reality. That's a duplicate, energy duplicate often, dependent on the state of consciousness of the individual. But 99% of the time at the beginning, it will be a duplicate of the physical world. A lo- I, I get incredible letters from people that are having out-of-body experiences and they're walking around going to their refrigerator. And then when they try to open the refrigerator, their hand goes through it. <laughs> and only then do they realize that they're out of body. Yeah. It is, I can't emphasize, this is a very much a physical, grounded experience. That, and you're walking around an environment. What we have discovered is that there is a parallel world that is almost duplicate energetically. It's far more subtle than the physical, but your, your house will look essentially the same. The colors of the walls may be different. There may be slight, but it's the same. Hmm. You don't enter this cloud-like heaven. Yeah. You enter a parallel universe. That's what I'm referring to. That's the next energy dimension. This is the, the non-physical realm. The word spiritual is used too much. It's, the laws of physics are not spiritual, are they? Right. So why would the non-physical laws of the universe be spiritual? They just are. We continue to exist in this parallel world. Heaven is another reality. That's all that we use these terms. Heaven. It's a non-physical environment that we enter. Yeah. That's created by thought, and it's very stable and very three-dimensional and solid because reality. So the term solid is relative to the vibrational state of the participant. Okay. It's very important. In other words, when I reached out my hand and I started to sit up, everything still looks solid to me. Okay. And you worry, obviously, you're able to stand on the floor. I mean, I imagine you feel like you're standing on the floor at least, right? Yes, yes. You feel it. Yes, absolutely. It feels very much like the physical world in many respects. But when you, the first time and every time after that, you see, you see the wall in front of you, you put your hand out and you're going through the wall. Is that actually the wall though? Or is that a wall in a different dimension? It's a wall in a different dimension. Yeah, okay. I, that's an important point, I think. Yes, it is. Yeah. Because everybody thinks there's like just one other dimension. This is what I found. And it gets very, it took me 20 years to get a handle on this. Yeah. 
live in a multi-dimensional continuum. Yeah. There's many of them, more than I know. Everybody talks about seven. Nah, I know better than that. Yeah. I don't know how many dimensions there are. I'm not going to buy into some belief system because of theosophy. Yeah. I know better from experience. Yeah. There's countless dimensions and they're expanding, it appears, because of thought. Thought is the creative force. The universe is expanding because of thought. The physical universe is expanding due to thought. The non-physical universe is expanding exponentially because of thought. More and more people are creating because thought creates all of these environments. Consensus group thought creates a reality that today people call heaven. Yeah. Okay. But it's it's childish. It's a it's a thought manifested and created. A, a collective group of a thousand people can easily create an environment. That's what happens. I see. Uh, I see. I see. I see what you're saying. Um, uh, which, I mean, when you, th- when you start thinking about all these things, it really makes you recognize the importance of taking responsibility for our thoughts. E- you know, yeah. even in the physical world, um, Expand, can you expand on that based on what you know, having all these experience, how important is it that we watch the thoughts that we have and how they're in, maybe influencing our own life? Um, it's essential because we create a reality. It takes longer in the physical because the physical is the outer, outer epidermis and it's dense mm. and it's l- less receptive to thought, less response. But once you leave your body, that's the first thing I learned after the sh- overall shock of, oh, my God, I continue, <laughs> is that, oh, my God, my thoughts are powerful. Yeah. In a non-physical reality, our thoughts are king. And that's why it's so important. If you're fear-based, if you have an out-of-body experience or a near-death experience, may I share, mm-hmm. and you're fear-based, what could happen? You're going to manifest devils. You're going to manifest hell. You're going to manifest ungodly stuff. Right. You were the creator of it because you you projected these fears. Fears come back to us. It's and it happens quickly in the physical world. It's slowed down. But once you leave your body, everything's happened quickly, quickly. That's why it's so critically important that we learn the rules of the road, the non-physical rules, which are number one. You have to control your thought projection. Every thought is a projection of energy. Hmm. And they all have a result. And, and in this way, um, uh, you know, so a lot of people make fun of the affirmation people, um, and and yet uh, they're onto something. They might not even realize how much they're onto something yeah. from your perspective, but they certainly are. The difference between um, saying an affirmation versus thinking uh, and worrying about something that you know you don't want to happen that you fear. Uh, seem like night and day. Uh, is there is there a right and wrong way of of uh, sort of s- s- using an affirmation? Is there is, from your perspective? Does it matter whether you say it in the present or the future or anything? I, I think there is. There's some. There is a more the most effective approach I have found is to always keep it in the present tense and use the word now. Our subconscious mind only accepts the reality of, and then I'm talking about the subconscious mind. Mm. There is no past and there is no future. 
It's only now. Now is the time of power. We can, people forget this. You can only create now. Yeah. We can't create anything in the past, can we? There's a sliver of conscious awareness that is powerful. And that is the now. And that's why we have to take control of it. And affirmations work if you use them properly and focus on, you know, like now I have an out-of-body experience as you're drifting asleep. That's the easiest, effective way to induce an out-of-body experience. I mean, because it's it's going it – you repeat it, you repeat it it's like a mantra until it begins to soak into your subconscious mind. That's the part we have to begin to activate. And uh, very fascinating that quite quickly you recognized um, to make these demands uh, that, for instance, if if you weren't if there, everything was a little blurry or you weren't seeing with great clarity, yep. you would say something like "clarity now," and instant instantly you would have great clarity. Well, I would have to repeat it sometimes, and now I've evolved somewhat in my – now I use awareness now. Awareness now. Because I realized that I was – we are the creative force when we're in a non-physical reality. Mm -hmm. And we have to take – we have to, as the shaman would say, you own your power. They're doing the same thing. You are the creative force. You don't look around and wait for somebody to interact with you. You are the energy source the creator of that individual personal reality. Yep. And once you own that, that's why these affirmations work. Clarity now, if you're out of body, and this is common experience, by the way, out-of-body explorers write to me all the time. And the number one issue is lack of mobility and lack of perception, or what some people call vision. Okay. Remember, we don't have eyes in an out-of-body state. Right. We're seeing with our mind. So it's about clarifying our vision within ourselves so we have to take control of all aspects of it yeah that's what i was trying to emphasize all the time it's essential the yeah. same thing applies in near-death experience if people had the wherewithal yeah you could begin to take control of the experience to some degree if you owned it and were trained in how to the buddhists have been doing this the tibetan tibetans have been doing this for a thousand years, the Tibetan Book of the Dead goes into detail. This isn't anything new. Yeah. We can influence our state of consciousness in every state, including the afterlife and in transition. Yep. It's very important to our evolution. It, it, it definitely. Now, you had brought up hell, and, and you gave a great uh, example of why people would have a hellish experience. Uh, in all, all your work, have you seen any evidence of hell? No, no, I have not seen any I because I don't enter these. Re I know better. I know better than to enter in a fear based in mindset. Yep. I know that I can. I am the creative force in my personal experience. I'm not saying I can influence anyone else. No, but right. in my experience, yeah. in yeah. my personal environment, I am the energy source. Yep. And that's what's important to own. So, no, I've never seen any kind of negative I've never seen any of this stuff that people write about. Never. Uh, well, you get you get what but you're it's about your state of consciousness. You yeah. we get what we project. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it's that simple. We get what we project. Which is where beliefs can get in the way. So, so if you don't do work ahead of time and you have all these beliefs that you might be going to hell, then you could create that for yourself. Oh, absolutely, and that's what happens in these hellish near death experiences. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, come on. I'm. I, 
I, there's no other. I, to me, it's so simple. Yeah, yeah. No, if yeah. you believe in, uh, if you believe in hell, you can definitely experience hell. Yep. Because you are the creative source of it. Right. Uh, all right. I'll go back. Um, we were talking about when you saw the wall. The wall was actually in another dimension. You're not seeing the actual physical wall. Um, how about when you turned around? I remember the first time you actually saw your body. So how about here now? Are you actually seeing your body or you're seeing some aspect? I, I'm seeing an aspect. I didn't see my body. I saw a lump. Okay. It looked like a lump. I don't know how else to describe it. Very few people see their bodies because, number one, you're in another dimensional reality. Yep. And you have to remember, you're no longer observing the physical world. This gets confusing. People, to this day, people think they're observing the physical world. Yeah. You are not. You have just shifted your attention into another distinct and separate energy dimension. And yeah. we have to remember, this is this gets confusing because people are still trying to relate it to the physical. Mm -hmm. And it took me a lot. It took me years to get this. Yeah. Repeated experiences, you begin to get it. I, I mean, it's also a little confusing because of the near-death experiences. A lot of people who leave their body during, you know when they're temporarily dead, um, we'll look back and see their body there. Uh, we don't really know. We don't know. I mean, they're not able to do what you did is just keep trying and testing and analyzing. Uh, we don't know if they're actually seeing their real body or not. It seems as though they are because they're also aware of the doctors and nurses in the surgery well, room. See, and but that's at the very beginning stages of the experience yep. of a near-death and an OBE. Right. Remember I said that the world is parallel. Yeah, yeah. You're, I'm, my, my surroundings are still physical. If I have people around me, those people will still be there. Yeah. But I'm, I'm going to be observing the non-physical aspect of them. Yeah. And they'll still look the same. So, yes, during an OBE, people, people report seeing nurses and doctors and things like that during their experiences. Yep. It's very common. And even hearing conversations. Yeah. 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 Um. I'm trying to pick my questions here because I, I only have so much time. I know that. Uh, so at, at the next point, you uh, you're looking at the wall. And the next thing uh, you recognize, you're seeing sort of through it. The wall fades, and there's a green field extending beyond the room. Uh, did you ever get to the point where? Obviously, you did, but but talk about that how you were at first it's sort of spontaneously you're seeing a field in the first one but you could uh now you can you can pretty much see or go anywhere you want as long as you keep calm and that's what i always stress mm -hmm. you have to keep it you have to focus and maintain i i use techniques to accomplish this yeah once i leave my body i instruct everybody to move 10 feet away from their body because there's almost like a gravity that pulls you back. Okay. Many people relate to this have had the experience. Yeah. like you're being pulled. You move 10 feet away, and then you center your energy field by using awareness now. You repeat an affirmation that centers your energy field. You're locking in your full awareness. Remember, we're multidimensional beings. Our awareness is on our soul level, on our subconscious level, on our intellectual level, on the astral level, on our physical level. Our consciousness is not in one place. It's spread over a continuum. Yeah. And this is one thing that science has yet to discover. We're, we're, even when you leave your body, your body's being maintained automatically. 
So a portion of you is doing this. Yep. My point is we're multidimensional. You focus, you, you center your awareness, and then you begin to gain control over that energy body. Yep. And that's when you have the ability to take control. You can walk. You can move through walls. You can move, I call it, multidimensionally. You can begin to use your thoughts. That's where it takes, for many people, it takes years to gain control. It's because you have to gain control of a non-physical energy body and its capabilities, which are incredible. Yeah. It's like you're, at first you're like a child learning how, how the new rules of the road work. Yeah. You have to get out of the crib. Yeah. And then you have to learn to walk. Yeah. <laughs> there was and two that's what it feels like. There was two things that seemed to bring you back into your body, which would end the experience for that evening, at least, or whatever, that moment. One was fear, you know, oh, get, I'm fearful. And, and the other one was thinking about your body. As soon yes. as you think about it, now that's your focus, and boom, you're back in it. And that is an obstacle. The biggest, the one, there's only one rule in out-of-body exploration is never think of your body. <laughs> it's very simple. There's no rules. It's just that. Because any thought of your body and you'll immediately be back in your body. Wow. And that takes training. because, And that's, that's the biggest thing you have to train yourself to do. That's why I always teach people to get involved in your new environment. Yeah. Become immersed in the new environment. Pretend your body doesn't exist. Yeah. Because for, for, in that sliver of time, it doesn't. You're full of, and bring in as much awareness into your experience as possible. Where does this um, uh, concept of uh, the silver cord uh, come from? I don't even know where it comes from. And is there any validity to it? Maybe you can explain what it is. Well, it's, it's quite controversial. I and others have experienced it, but it's not in what people think. People, they have this almost childish attitude that, that the silver cord, by the way, it's a biblical phrase okay. that comes from the, the, uh, from the Bible right. where it's mentioned. And it's a connecting point, but it's not a connecting point necessarily of the, to the soul. It's just a connecting point. It's almost like a um, look at it more as a portal, an energy portal mm -hmm. for, for the physical world to the, to the next energy body. There needs to be a connecting point to bring in that, that, that energy to the biological machine that we operate. Yeah. And it, that's, but again, once you begin to have experiences beyond what I call the etheric, I've only witnessed the cord a couple times, and that's because I was in my denser energy body. Once you move into other dimensional realities, that cord is no longer present. That's what I've experienced. It could could this be what uh, people some people are describing as the tunnel uh, in their NDEs? I, I don't think so. No, I think different. the tunnel is an opening of a membrane between two dimensions. Okay. That's our mind's perception of the opening. That's why there's always a, a higher, uh, this bright light, because each successive dimension is a brighter light. Hmm. It's a higher vibratory light. Yep. And that's why when people enter this, what they're doing is going through the membrane, I feel. I see. That's my, again, my perception of this. Yeah. But uh, I think it's accurate. Huh? I'm, I'm sure it's accurate. <laughs> of course it is. <laughs> <laughs> um, you, uh, right from the get-go, you have this first experience in uh, your 
which I think is, uh, well, I'm not even going to say that because uh, I'm probably wrong. I was going to say I think it's not that common, but uh, but you see this man in a pur- purple robe, and uh, so now forty. I know you saw him a couple times. Who do you think this man in the purple robe, robe was that seemed to be watching you as you were having your out of body experience? Oh, I, there's no doubt this is a guide. Okay. I think all of us have some kind of helpers. I'm not talking about an angel or anything like that. Yeah. I'm just talking about all of us have helpers or friends, non-physical helpers. Yeah. That are there to assist us during OBEs, near-death uh, experiences. There's always someone else present yeah. that is there to assist us in this journey of consciousness. Because it's a pivotal point in our lives. Yeah. For many of us when you have this experience. And it only makes sense that a friend, you know, we've been around, we're we're each, we're eternal. We've yeah. been around a long time. Yeah. And we I think there is a support mechanism. It's a wonderful support, let's say, community that assists people that are having these type of experiences. And it's the same applies to NDEs and OBs. Now in OBs, guides will generally remain unseen. And they don't want to interfere with the natural process of your experience. Okay. But occasionally people do see, let's just call them helpers. Yeah. And in your very first one, you see him, he's, he's like, oh, crap. Well, <laughs> How do you do that? Uh, yeah, I, I think he, he didn't expect me to see him <laughs> uh, because I, whatever. And at the, I'll be honest, the first time I saw someone standing there, it scared me. Yeah. Uh, because I'm just being totally honest about it because yeah. I was not expecting to have someone watching me in my experience. And that to me, now, it was also an illuminating because I realized, oh, my God, other people exist in this other reality. Mm-hmm. But it, 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 my first experience was fear because I, it was so unexpected. But later, as I had successive experiences, I began to get more comfortable and the first thing I realized, I had to overcome my own fear. That's yeah, the biggest yeah. obstacle we have. Yeah. It's, it's so true. And all of it, including me, yeah. you have to conquer your own fear. Right. And once you realize you're immortal, when you have these experiences, that's what really helps to get rid of the fear. Yeah. Because yeah. nothing can harm us. Right. So right. what am I fearful of? Just because something's unusual? Yeah. Of course it's unusual. It's in the non-physical reality yeah. created by thought. So, so it's going to be different than here. Yeah, right. Well, and even better, it's more, it's like this play play, you know, uh playground where you can just have all kinds of fun and don't have to worry about anything, you know. And it's also a very it's a learning environment. Totally, yeah. Because we re, we we our thoughts are projected back to us. So we're the teacher. Yeah. We're always the teacher. You saw, uh, you also saw loved ones, uh, uh, deceased loved ones. Uh, I'm just curious, uh, we don't have a lot of time, but um, were those spontaneous or is it possible that you can set it up to, to see lo- lost loved ones if you want to? You can request to see loved ones. And I talk, I'll be talking about this at the afterlife conference. Yeah. Um, most of my experiences have been spontaneous. I met my, my mother who was deceased and my uncle and many others. Uh, those most of these experiences, they come to you once they realize that you are available. Remember, once you leave your body, you're in their energy dimension and you're available for contact. Yeah. And it, the rules have changed. 
My uncle came to me. My mother came to me and communicated with me face to face. Yeah. What was amazing is that when they died, they were they were old. They were in their 70s most of the time, and they were, they were overweight. When I saw my mother, she was 20, about 24 years old, beautiful, yeah, young, vibrant. I mean, it was, but it was her. Yeah. It was energetically, you know, it's her. Because yeah. you don't communicate. Everything has changed, remember. You don't, there's no air molecules. You don't right. communicate by vibrating voice, uh, vocal cords. You vibrate by, you communicate by thought. Right. It's right. very elegant, very, 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 let's just say accurate. Not yeah. like this, you know, word symbols that we use in the physical world. Yeah. Um, and so with that subject, I'm just going to show everybody this book. Now, uh, I've asked uh, William if he wouldn't mind coming back another time. We can just talk about this because there's so much information. We can just talk about this. So Adventures in the Afterlife, his most recent book, um, and he's using his experiences with OBEs, out-of-body experiences, to learn about life after death. There's so much to that. You had a diagnosis of cancer. You went to a, this healing environment. Oh, my goodness. I can't wait to talk about all that stuff. It's fascinating. It's filled with lessons and good information. Uh, people can find out a lot about this stuff at your website, astralinfo.org. It'll be in the show notes below this video, astralinfo.org, O-R-G. Uh, and you said you're going to be speaking at the Afterlife Conference. This is June 4th through 7th? Yes. Uh, I'll be doing a four-hour workshop on the first day of the conference, at, uh, that afternoon, and I'll also be speaking at the conference on the next day, the 5th, I believe it is. Beautiful. Well, one of the presenters at the Afterlife Conference. Oh, that's exciting. I, uh, well, we are, uh, Afterlife TV is, an, uh, TV is an official sponsor of the Afterlife Conference. So um, it's, and, and it's not even why I had you here. I just, uh, you've been on my list forever. And finally, <laughs> I got around to it. Uh, and you do workshops at the Monroe Institute, like we said. Um, anything else that you want to talk about? Um, no, I just have a new workshop called Destination Higher Self. What's that, that about? Available. It's about pre preparation and training for the afterlife. Okay. Practical guidance and tools so that the individual is prepared to help loved ones or themselves in the transition we call death. Because oh, death wow. is an illusion. It's a transition of consciousness. It's, it's the, it's, I think it's so needed in today's world. Yeah, well, I just, just lost my father-in-law, uh, Melissa's father, um, uh, just last week. Tomorrow are the services, and I will tell you, you know, it, it, was a, it was a beautiful, peaceful passing. He died at home with hospice coming, and, but, uh, but really reminding me not only of the necessity in the, uh, of my work, but the necessity of uh, people learning uh, – like what you're teaching in that conference. I, I, I highly recommend it because we're all going to have someone who dies uh, or we're going you know, to go ourselves. And so it's just one of these things that it's important to everyone. It just, you can't yeah, get around it. Is it is important. You know, um, hope is not an effective preparation for the afterlife. <laughs> it's not. Yeah. Where else in life would you just hope things all work out? Yeah. You plan. You plan your meals every day. Yeah. Let's plan our transition of consciousness. 
Let's get educated, knowledgeable, and create a personal plan. And that's what I assist people to do. Yeah. Have your own plan and make it the best transition you can possibly be. Yeah. And and move beyond the antiquated beliefs and obtain knowledge. Well, I mean, yeah, it sounds so amazing that we even have this ability for us to not be taking advantage of it while we're here. Um, uh, almost seems negligent. <laughs> it, I, yes, in a way. Yes. Doesn't it? Yes, yeah. it does. Uh, well, final words. Any wisdom you want to leave us with or anything else? You know, in 40 years of doing this, um, you know, how has it changed you as a person? Are you different than you used to be? Oh, my God. <laughs> if I can say one thing, it's that, you know, the we have the capacity to obtain the answers. We no longer need to depend on archaic, dark age belief systems. We are spiritual, powerful beings, and we exist in every dimension of the universe. It's up to us to become explorers of consciousness and get off of the old belief and dependence upon these manipulative beliefs that dominate our society. Look around at our society today and you see what they're doing. Yeah. They're, they're creating nothing but death and destruction. Mm. They, they're all flawed. We have to grow up spiritually and become mature spiritual explorers of consciousness. Otherwise, we will always be, let's just say, behind the eight ball when it comes to transition and our evolutionary cycle. Oh, beautiful. Beautifully said. Again, uh, where are my adventures beyond the body? How we experience out of body travel? William Buhlman. And uh, I thank you very much for being here. It's been a pleasure. And uh, we'll, we'll, we're going to have you on again, so it won't be goodbye. But we'll say goodbye to all, uh, all the audience. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. And uh, until next time. Okay, bye-bye.